0: Welcome to the Inspire People Impact Lives podcast. This podcast is for people who are looking to get more out of life by making an impact on those around them. Each week, we bring you local, influential business and community leaders delivering powerful messages to help you live a more inspiring and impactful life. Coming to you live from Northwestern Mutual Middleton, here's your host, Josh Kosnick. Welcome to another episode of Inspire People impact lives. I'm your host, Josh Kosnick, managing partner, Northwestern Mutual. And today we have a very special guest in Tom Still. Tom is the president of the Wisconsin technology council. The tech council is a nonprofit bipartisan science and technology policy advisory board to the governor and the legislature. Its programs include the tech council investor networks, the tech council and innovation network, the Governor's Business Plan Contest, and regular events that connect entrepreneurs, investors, researchers, and others with a stake in the tech-based economy. And I can't think of an industry that uh, is not only booming, but also relevant to today's world when we're all virtual than something like this. So, Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Josh. It's great to be here.
0: Well, it's great to have you. Before we dive in and get into all things tech, Tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, and how you came to be and where you're at uh, to to this point.
1: Yeah, well, I you know going back in time, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, which is uh, basically DC. And uh, uh, my father was a, a airline mechanic at what is now Reagan National Airport. Uh, my mother was predominantly a homemaker, but worked some in retail. And um, yeah, you know, just kind of a great place to grow up because of the all of the stimulation around that area, you know, in terms of what what you could learn, what you could do, and uh, so from there, I, uh, I, I because I was an airline brat, that meant I could travel for free to a lot of places, and so it was about getting the best offer for college. And so I wound up at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, which had an excellent journalism school, which is what I wanted to do at the time and other interests, but it was it was perfect for that. And then uh, gradually, gradually gravitated into Wisconsin, where you know I'm more of a Homer than most native-born Wisconsinites. Probably love the state, love being here. Um, have had it's it's just been a great place to to live and work and raise my family. And so um, yeah, I was in the journalism uh, game for you know good 25 years, and I've been running the tech council. So since 2003, uh,
0: since so uh, it's- uh, So coming up on 20 years. Yeah. So about half your career in journalism and almost half your career and now on the tech council. Yeah, that's about right. I mean,
1: it's, and it, it, it doesn't seem like on either case in terms of, you know, the time flying aspect, uh, but uh, two great things and related because uh, all of the things that I learned in journalism really do apply to what we do at the tech council um you know i got a board of directors they're the true tech experts in most cases but as a communicator as someone who knew how things worked you know the intersection of business government you know education all of that um that's where i can provide some some glue to keep you know keep holding it together but yeah they're they, they turned out to be a, a, a great sequel in that sense
0: yeah that's cool so it doesn't sound like you grew up in an entrepreneurial family, but was there any inspiration? Maybe there was, and I just missed it in that part of the story. But was there anything that you grew up with around that uh, kind of, you know, tripped your trigger towards the entrepreneurial side of things?
1: You know, uh, not so much growing up as I think about it. I mean, we—it was definitely not an entrepreneurial family. I mean, like my my father, like I said, he was a he was an airline mechanic, and, and but he valued working hard he valued education because he didn't have much. He was one, he, he had never even graduated from high school. And so, but he was insistent that uh, uh, the, the two kids, me and my brother were uh, going to be doing things a little different and we did. And so, um, you know, that, that, that notion of hard work and education, I think comes in there for sure. Uh, sure, I, you know, I had paper routes. I did all kinds of little things on the side. I would have never known to have called myself an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure that you know I was just doing odd jobs like any other kid. Um, but you know, in terms of where that f- first kind of bit me, I think was when I was in 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 journalism and uh, worked primarily with the Wisconsin State Journal in Madison, which is a part of Lee Enterprises. Yeah, and there I was put in charge of some. What I would now call entrepreneurial uh, assignments, and uh, starting a civic journalism project that involved um, everything from broadcast video as well as radio and print, uh, different other kinds of projects. So we started a cable station, you know, things like that 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 uh, were about innovation within that industry, but not necessarily entrepreneurial, more entrepreneurial yeah
0: no, was really good hey real quick on the paper route what ages were you oh gosh 12 13. okay i also had a paper route i was 11 12. yeah uh, and it was down in illinois before it was right before we moved to wisconsin and it was 363 days a year you know 5 five thirty in the morning uh, that i would do it throughout the neighborhood that we lived in uh in and that was, you know, without parents' help, anything of that nature, you get out. You know, Sunday, I got out the Red Flyer wagon because those papers were thicker. But right. every, other, every other day, I just had the, you know, strap on, the, you know, the bag that you throw over your shoulder or satchel right. or whatever you call it. And uh, and the 360 days, three days a year, I mean, it took a lot of hard work uh, and instilled a lot of work ethic in me. A lot of days, I did not want to get up at that time frame. What did, what did it teach you? I you just said it. I mean the
1: notion of, of uh of getting up uh early and or actually I had two routes. One was an AM and one was a PM. And so coming home from school and, and kind of going through the same thing. Um and you know, I've always joked that the newspaper industry was the only one in the world that relied on twelve year old kids for marketing and distribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was that. Yeah. And it but I was just I was just a, a a news bug. You know, I couldn't wait to get those papers and kind of read them myself and, you know, or later, you know, and it, it was it was a lot of fun, but a lot of work. And like you said, you got it. You got
0: to stick to it. It's it's every day. It's yeah, yeah. all daily newspapers. <laughs> Except for uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, there right. yeah, was a lot. Uh, but it was a lot of a lot of good memories there, too. So switching back into our more more uh, relevant topics, what does entrepreneur? You talk about entrepreneurship with your uh, journalism stuff, but what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Well, you know it it means a bunch of things. I mean, it, it, you know, just I'll just start with a kind of
1: the definition. It, it stems from a French uh, word that means one who undertakes, and so that that says something right there, right? I mean that it, you're undertaking some kind of task, some kind of effort, some kind of uh, uh, reason or ability to to build a company in many cases. I think, and what it means in the larger sense to me is um, that notion of creative destruction, the um, pushing up from below. Joseph Schumpeter, he was an economist probably 70, 80 years ago, and he came up with this phrase called creative disrupt- destruction to describe the notion of Young companies coming up, rising up, and pushing out the old, which is kind of what happens. I mean, you see a lot of old companies that um, uh, some endure and survive and, and change all along the way, but others, others don't. And so they, the, you know, the, the, the horse, horse buggy whip makers or something of, of the world that went away. Um, and so, entrepreneurism means also to me the creation of new jobs new products, new things, new, new things that you never knew you needed until they actually are there. And so uh, it's, it's, really, it's really all about that kind of change in the economy kind of bubbling up from the bottom.
0: I love the definition. I don't know that many people uh, know that, including myself, because I never just really looked it up. Yeah. But that creative destruction... Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting terminology, because I think nowadays, the buzzword is disruptor. right? Yeah. So right. Uber was a disruptor to the taxi industry to travel, whatnot, you know, uh, wheels up or net jets as a disruptor to uh, the airline industry, right? So they use the word disruptor versus creative destruction. What's yeah. interesting in my industry, I, I witnessed in our organization, and sometimes I think this probably happens as we could probably think of a couple of examples uh, just offhand is sometimes those disruptors or those creative destructors actually level up the playing field where they actually push those big and old companies to become better. And yeah. that's what they should do. I think that's what Northwestern Mutual is looking to do as is to make sure that uh, they stay relevant in a hundred. I mean, we're a 164 year old company. Right. So we're to continue to stay relevant and continue to disrupt ourselves. Otherwise we will be disrupted.
1: Yes, that it. That, and, and you're right. Creative destruction and maybe maybe you can call it creative disruption are really the same thing. I mean, they, it's just a slightly different term now. And, and yeah, Northwestern Mutual is a great example because, you know, between the uh, the venture investing that goes on there, the notion of bringing in new ideas, new people, new. Uh, in fact, sometimes new new. Um, companies almost that that change and enhance the uh, what northwestern mutual is that's that's why they're i mean they're they're um they're not going to be they're disrupting themselves as you as you noted josh
0: yeah and so and it's it's been interesting to watch being part of the company but also seeing like hey you know they're thinking very broadly about um, how do we disrupt ourselves, and how do we invest in technology? How do we bring tech talent to Wisconsin? Yes, uh, because we've had to uh, adopt a lot of our. We have a you know secondary home office in New York City mm-hmm. because there's more talent there in the tech sector currently right. than there is in Wisconsin uh, enough to fill the jobs that we actually need. But I know John Schlifsky's goal is to make sure that the majority of those jobs stay here in Wisconsin because of our home office. So. Um, So that leads into some of the work that you're doing as well. Yeah. Experts say that you are the average of the five people you hang out with and the books that you read. We'd like to suggest the podcast that you listen to as well. So hit that subscribe button and add Madison's top leaders to your circle. We'd also encourage you to share this podcast with as many friends as possible. Our mission is simple, to inspire people and impact lives. If you know of a friend or colleague that could benefit from listening to some of Madison's top leaders, give us a share. Now, back to our guest.
1: Northwestern Mutual and John have been a big part of uh, creating the Milwaukee Tech Hub, for example. Yep, And that is something, uh, Kathy Henrick has, has uh, been, been leading that. And, and yeah, it's really all about talent and making sure that, and we try to echo a lot of those same themes in terms of what we do with the tech council, because it's not all tech. It's going to be people. It's going to be capital. It's going to be infrastructure, right? But all of it adds up to getting the right people to work in uh, some of the really amazing companies that exist in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a great effort there.
0: It, uh, it, uh, it has. And I've seen some of the fruits of that uh, personally here being in the field and uh, getting some of the talent that the Milwaukee is creating, or maybe not some of the talent as far as people power, but mm-hmm. what they've created in our hands that our people can use. Right. So right. that's been great. Um, so on that entrepreneurship side of things, what do you personally believe is a great entrepreneur? And let me tee this up a little bit. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, business people, uh, or want to be entrepreneurs that listen to our show. Yes. So I always like to ask people like some whether it's characteristics or some mistakes people you see people make, what does someone need to be a great entrepreneur from your standpoint?
1: It, I, I think it's truly a combination of of skills and and attributes. I think, you know, it kind of starts with vision because you have to have that vision of where you're going and then you know, remain locked in on that as, as best you can when things get challenging. I, they, you know, hard work's a part of it. Perseverance. Uh, boy, a lot of entrepreneurs get knocked down and they have to get back up off the floor, right? Um, teamwork. You know, sometimes entrepreneurs, um, you know, you may think of them as, as the lone wolf out there operating by themselves, but they, they ultimately cannot. They mm. really have to have a team around them. Uh, it, 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 it can be described in many ways, but they have to know teamwork. I think they sometimes have to know their own limits. And that kind of correlates with with teamwork in the sense that, you know, um, somebody might be a great tech person or great lab bench person, but not necessarily uh, wasn't the greatest on the marketing side or, you know, some other piece that it takes to build a company because it does take a lot of those pieces to make it work. Uh, I think opt- entrepreneurs are risk takers, but not rash risk takers. I think they're calculated risk takers. And and that involves, you know, everything from cash flow to sizing up the market to knowing what the competition is. I think those are a part of it. Uh, and I think they also have to be decision makers in the sense that they can't sit on things too long. They have to make sure that they, you know, they get they get off the dime I, 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 is one way of putting it and that they, they move ahead. They activate. They have to be, have to be. And then, uh, you know, just ready for whatever that pivot might be. Uh, you know, COVID-19 is the ultimate pivot for so many companies. Uh, Northwestern mutual or our own. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, you gotta be ready for that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now you're and you're so right. And that's why, when uh, chad brought this idea up of having you on i was like all for it because there's nothing more like i think it was almost a year ago or maybe to this day that we got you know word that we're going to need to lock down right yeah. uh and so i'm going through with my team and assessing how many of our our team members have the capabilities to work from home yeah so do we have enough laptops versus desktops do we Do they have, do we need to get some uh, uh, HD cameras, microphones, whatever it might be so that they can fully operate from home, you know, and then, you know, that's not even to mention like the, you know, the childcare worries and schools and, you know, all that different jazz. It's just from a tech side, are we fully capable? Do we need to get any Zoom or Ring Central or GoToMeeting subscriptions? Like, and thank God all those things were there. But... Um, You know, then Skype and some of that technology has been around for over a decade, right? Mm -hmm. But it got normalized over the past 12 months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, a year ago today, because a year ago today was our very last in-person event. Hmm. It was uh, an event in Milwaukee with um, uh, a panel of folks to talk about diverse entrepreneurs and investors and, you know, from different communities that maybe you don't always hear from when you think about in- investors. And, uh, that was, a, that was our last, uh, that was our last live event. And then four days after that, we were scheduled to hold our tech summit at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And, uh, which is a great place to hold it. They're, they're wonderful hosts. Uh, but, That we had to shut that down and uh, uh, the Packers organization was totally understanding, but we had to go to a virtual platform in a matter of like four days. So that was really something.
0: So maybe this is a good time. I gave such a brief description of what the Tech Council actually does. Could you add more color to that? Oh, sure. What the programs and what the supporters and all that stuff looks like for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And you did touch on some uh, some
1: major points there. I would say that we live in a couple of different worlds. One is public policy. We spend a lot of time trying to provide good ideas to uh, members of the Wisconsin legislature, members of the uh, uh, different state administrations. We're bipartisan. So, you know, not Republican or Democrat. We try to try to work with everybody, of course. We uh, and that extends to sometimes to the federal level because we're a part of a larger national organization called the Tech Councils of North America, and so that's uh, that that part of our part policy world where we're trying to come up and work on those those big ideas. And over time, we've had some really great success around some of them. We have the event side, which uh, is now virtual but still working, and it really we try to connect entrepreneurs, investors researchers, others in, in the in the tech world. And finally, I'd say there's a communication side. We and me in particular, I love to tell the story of Wisconsin, of the of the entrepreneurship here, the, the rich legacy of that, really, if you go back over time, uh, the kinds of great talent, the, the notion that this is a good place to do business. Um, and it is. And so, just overall, I think those are the three areas where we, you know, we spend the the bulk of our time and effort. Um, we have a large board of directors, fifty some people. Wow. Yeah, and it's it, and it's for a reason. They're really great at showing the flag at different places around the state if we if we can't be everywhere physically or even virtually ourselves some of those folks can and they bring so much expertise but you know from their companies from from their own tech
0: backgrounds often their business backgrounds so it's a it's a good mix good so what what do you think have been some of the biggest policy wins that you guys have had over whether it's the in your tenure or the past few years whatever your time frame might be sure well, I came to the Tech Council when it was, it was, it was
1: very much a startup itself. Um, and um, at that time, there was not a whole lot of structure around it, but we knew that we had to fulfill that policy role. So some of the things that we worked on very early on have borne fruit today. Um, the, um, the investor tax credits in Wisconsin, that go to investors who invest in qualified new business ventures. That's kind of a specific term, but think young companies. Uh, the, that was uh, a big effort that involved our us uh, very directly in the uh, in the early two thousands, early to mid two thousands. Uh, we have uh, successfully over time tried to make sure that. Uh, Various legislators or others have not imposed uh, restrictions on state research um, sort of pathways because we don't want Wisconsin to be a sore thumb compared to other states that perhaps don't do that kind of thing. Uh, the Badger Fund of Funds, which is statewide now, uh, was something that we worked to get uh, created. Uh, that was a little later on. The very the, the creation of our own Tech Council uh, investor networks. Was a big deal because at the time we started it and it was kind of along the same time as those investor tax credits kicked in there were really a half dozen or so angel networks and venture funds in wisconsin that was it It just wasn't much out there and today today there are about 50. you know wow. there are corporate funds like like the like two that uh, northwestern mutual has for example yep. there are um venture funds of all sizes angel funds uh other you know other family offices there's a variety of players in the field today so we feel like that was a a big part of what we got done um so those are those are some of the things a lot of it is around so what some people might think are ministerial but but they're they're larger than that the changes we helped make in various state laws or regulations applying to for example Research faculty in the UW system, that it made it easier for them to be entrepreneurs. So um, it's you know it's been a little bit from all those angles: capital, uh, actual investment capital, human capital, the infrastructure itself, and there I should really mention broadband because we pushed on that forever, and it's it's finally getting better in some ways yeah. around the state. So those are those are some of the what I consider to be really good accomplishments.
0: You, you made mention of not falling behind. Why is it so important for whether it's Wisconsin's goal to lead or, or at least make sure that we're not falling behind on the tech side? Why is that so important for all of us? Oh, I think
1: because technology, and you can define it in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's more than information technology, right? It's also what I call life, broadly life sciences technology or advanced manufacturing technology it touches every sector of what's made Wisconsin great over time. This is a manufacturing state. We're still, depending on the year, second or third per capita in in manufacturing employees uh, among all the states. And it's it's a very productive manufacturing uh, sector. So technology and innovation has really made that more efficient. And it's continued to push it along and stay ahead uh, as as we've grown agriculture today same thing uh, you think about pre- precision in agriculture and um, all of the different different pieces around that uh, that's changing that world
0: even tourism well just real quick on that precision agriculture yeah. if you if someone is listening and hasn't heard the terminology pre- precision agriculture google that and and have your mind blown yeah so i think uh, most people especially maybe on the coast and maybe i'm making some presumptions uh or maybe it's my own uh thoughts about farming and whatnot uh, but my grandparents uh, were farmers and uh, you know you think about the old school way of farming most people do not realize how much science how much technology is now in farming to yield the best crop to do the most uh Uh, on the milk side of things to do the most on uh, getting uh, seeds from like, you know, this far apart or the exact portions apart that they need to be to yield the most in the acreage that they have. Like precision agriculture is actually a fascinating uh, deep dive one night on Google. If you, if you have the time.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And it's, it's, uh, it helps create crops that are in some cases uh, more drought resistant Um, maybe can be grown more organically or, or whatever's needed there. Um, It can, you know, through the use of drones and other sort of geo mapping, it's hey, where can this be best planted and what kind of rows and how, how far apart, as you noted, I mean, it's, it's all a big part of it. And it's, and it's um, really changing the dairy industry, as you noted as well, uh, from kind of, you know, how the cows are, are handled and treated and nurtured to, you know, what comes, comes out on the product end. So, so it's, it is fascinating.
0: All right. Quick sales pitch. So we have some nationwide listeners as well. We're not just a local podcast, but uh, give us your uh, quick pitch on why someone should be a, uh, or startup or join a tech company here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has
1: a wide range of what people want in a day and age where there's some, there can be some concern about being in some sectors of the country that might be overheated. Um, The quality of life here, whether you're in Milwaukee, Madison, Appleton, Eau Claire, just about any place you want to point to around the state is really high. Um, The cost of doing business in Wisconsin, uh, while not low, because you almost don't want low, but you, it, it is very predictable. It is something that, it can be very attractive for companies that may be uh, in other places where some, some of the costs are, are, are overheated. Uh, there is a huge research sector, sector here, uh, not only with our institutions of higher earned, earned, uh, education, but also uh, among companies. Um, if you look at our sort of per capita research dollars invested, uh, we're in the top 20 in, in the country.
0: That's awesome, um, so that's that's you know that's that's big right there. I like it. I'm sold yeah <laughs> <You're> dead, <right? laughs> That was an easy sale because i I fought to stay here myself, uh, so I, I wanted to raise my family here and and uh, continue to uh, build relationships and build a business here so yeah. I'm an easy sell but i I, I love yeah. some of your points there what um no we didn't t- you didn't touch on this with some of the bills, but were there any of the bills passed that helped? Uh, either create or uh, keep or build a bigger business for some of the big companies. I'm thinking specifically maybe here in Madison, but maybe they're throughout the state. I'm thinking Epic, ProMega, Exact Sciences, uh, some of the just fast growing companies here in Madison. There's probably others throughout the state that I'm not making mention of, but were there any things that you guys specifically did or bills that passed that helped some of these uh, major companies just spawn and grow as fast as they are? I think some of the things that we did over time um, made it
1: made it easier for uh, corporations to get involved in um, the notion of investment funds. Uh, you know, on the venture side, uh, there were some tweaks in in state laws and regulations that hopefully made that easier. Uh, for example, the larger investor credits program uh, wasn't uh, initially fully available to insurance companies in, ter- in order to take part of that. So that's good. And because again, insurance, I mean, what a, what a Wisconsin business, right? I mean, when you think about uh, Northwestern and all the others around the state that are active in that, I mean, it only made sense for them to be a part of that, that startup economy. Um, I think in terms of um, sometimes while well, some of the treatments of uh, how sales tax was applied to technology products, that was one that uh, that took a little work as well. So I, in general, I think the larger companies all benefit when the climate around them and below them is is healthy as well.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So speaking of the healthy climate and uh, some of the winds, let's go to the opposite side of that. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, facing new businesses or business in general throughout the state you know, there was a there
1: was a time, you know, 10 years ago or five, even five years ago, I, I would have said that taxes was uh, was somewhere on that list. Um, Wisconsin has steadily moved out of the top five in overall tax burden into kind of around like 15 ish now. Now, some would say that's still still high, but that's that's a. Uh, that's out of that heat zone where you attract attention where you don't want to attract attention. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's really good. Um, I think the overall big challenge, and we talked on this about this a little bit before, but just talent, having the right workers uh, for the the companies and products and businesses of the future. Uh, There's a demographic challenge in Wisconsin. We skew a little bit older than some places. uh, So we, need to make sure that we attract our fair share of workers as well as growing our own. I think the education systems have to help produce those kinds of of well-educated workers and make sure that we're just not leaving anybody behind in that regard. So that's a challenge, I think, as as baby boomers begin to retire in larger numbers, I think companies need to look for where that talent's going to come from. and, And they're doing some creative things. I mean, it, but it is a challenge, right? Um, I think, um, you know, overall, there are some challenges around what I would call um, layers of government. Wisconsin has um, a state government, but 72 counties and hundreds of municipalities and villages. And sometimes those can overlap and create regulatory issues that maybe don't work for everyone. Um, So that's one that's, you know, that's out there. And then finally, I just I just say investment capital in general, even though we're a lot better than we were 15 years ago, there's still a lot to do. We still don't get much, not above the middle in terms of all states and venture capital. And even the middle is not great because three states, uh, actually four states, when I think about it, New York, Texas, California, Massachusetts, it's eighty five percent of all venture capital. The rest mm. of us are fighting over the other fifteen percent. Wow, so that's that's where we need to do, continue to do some work. And by the way, uh, the the state of uh, Wisconsin governor, Tony Evers, in his latest budget, proposed a $100 million state investment in a privately matched venture capital fund that I, we think could make a big difference there. And that's something we've pushed for for a long time.
0: Well, it's good. Hey, I wanna go back to the education piece and I might piss some people off with this, but I gotta say it anyhow, because okay. um, maybe you have some influence, maybe you don't. But it, so Wisconsin-Madison, UW Madison is our premier public institution in the state Mm -hmm. and the major frustrations I hear from parents with high school age kids is how hard it is for local students to get into our premier university. And yet we're in this dichotomy of so they want more money from the out of state kids. And yet you and Northwestern Mutual and every other major company in the state wants to retain the talent locally. Well, what's the likelihood we're going to keep a New York State kid in Madison Mm -hmm. after college? Right. Not not likely. Versus a local kid that grew up here appreciates the lifestyle, appreciates the culture, appreciates the cost of living, the taxes, all that stuff. The Midwest kid. Yeah. Far more likely to retain that talent here. And so we have this dichotomy of the university wanting more money from out of state kids, yep. well, okay, I'm making that assumption, but I think that the writing's on the wall, right uh treating it more like a business and then denying some of these local kids that would love to attend the university root, rooted for growing up and mm-hmm. can't do it
1: yeah it is a It is a tension that exists around the state that um it, yes, I've heard it before i 've seen it before um that that indeed the university would love to have more people to kind of um you know sort of leaven the the bread in a sense people from elsewhere that that help provide different aspects from different places right so it's not all just the tuition but it's that's a part of it um it's very tough to get into the UW madison just in general i think even for somebody out of state it's just it's it's a it's a high-quality institution with uh, tough entrance requirements, um, and uh, it it can be really tough if you're from parts of Wisconsin where maybe um, you you haven't had as many kind of extracurricular opportunities or different classes that you took uh, that that maybe get you in the door there. I mean, that said, there are other fine universities, public universities in in Wisconsin.
0: Oh, sure are. I just want to say the premier one skews yeah. towards more out-of-state population at this point, yeah. uh, percentage-wise. And and then we were just talking about a dichotomy of, of lack of talent yeah. that we want to have in the tech sector. I think that, you know, and it's the largest institution in the state um, because I, I went to Whitewater. You know, I've had numerous friends that went to Marquette or Milwaukee or, or some of our other esteemed institutions, but Madison's by far the biggest by far the most uh, popular by name and, and probably yeah. the highest in academia quality uh, yeah. f- in most areas. So. Yeah, you, know, you know, the UW-Madison is really about half undergrads and
1: half graduate students. And the graduate side is where you see a lot of work on, you know, with researchers and, and uh, the sciences and, and everything else. And that's, and that's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Whitewater, that, that's a great example of an excellent school. Because of different programs there, you know, especially on the business school side, the entrepreneurship programs there, um, the poly sci department. If you walk around the state capitol here in in, in Madison, you, I, I guarantee you're going to run into a Whitewater graduate within about ten minutes. <laughs> 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 they're they're everywhere. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think the UW Madison one hope there, and it maybe springs from the COVID time, you know, in terms of more. In-state people getting in is the notion of virtual degrees, mm. and them being able to to take in more returning students, new students, some combination that will make it more possible for people to have a UW Madison degree. So uh, I I, you know, I know the leadership there thinks about this, and they they want to they want to think about striking that balance. But you're right, there's a whole bunch of kids who would love to go to UW Madison um and uh yeah
0: maybe and stay here after yeah they're out there yeah and stay here after i think that's the biggest key that you and i were talking about is, it is it is let's keep them here and again if they're a grad student from here or they went to undergrad here and stayed here they're more likely to start their company here versus going back to where they uh grew up oh yeah you know,
1: so. There's no doubt about that and and it applies at the graduate level too
0: yep oh exactly So uh, what markets or industries do you see having the most potential for new business in our state?
1: Uh, I think um, I want to start with some of the existing markets because I think it will be innovation in some of those existing markets that lead to some new businesses, manufacturing, agriculture, even tourism. I think, I mean, which is big in Wisconsin. I think, we're going to see some dramatic changes there over time and more new businesses. I think on the, what what you may think of as the pure tech side, um, there continues to be a lot of of, um, innovation and new companies around digital health, you know, whether it's electronic uh, health records, whether it's other aspects of digital health, telemedicine is a great example right now that's grown exponentially during the, during the pandemic time. Um, I think that uh, there is a there's a lot more software businesses in Wisconsin than people recognize Uh, the the computer technology industry association. It goes by CompTIA. When you look at the uh, the, where the tech workers are, there's there are a number of engineering sections and also a number in software, what they call software publishing um, sort of sector and that that can mean, I mean it can mean anybody from epic uh and verona but to uh to people who are doing various uh, software around fintech around insurtech, tech um around again you know they're kind of in some cases connected to sectors we already have that we already have strength so um i think gaming has surprising uh legs in wisconsin um Water-based companies. I mean, there's been a, a a lot of discussion around that. I think uh, most of the innovation so far has toward the tended to um, work around existing companies. But there's there's a lot of hope that some of the the younger companies in water are coming out. Uh, clean tech, um, sort of energy-based companies. I think those are all potential for growth in Wisconsin.
0: Nice. So. Potential for growth, and then we've seen the news over the past uh, 12 months and the mass exodus from California, right? And I know that Texas and Arizona have been benefactors of some of that uh, exodus from California. Um, I don't know if Wisconsin has or or not, or if you know that. But what are your general thoughts about what's going on in in that exodus from California and hopefully making sure that uh, we don't ever see that exodus happening?
1: yeah well it goes back to some of those points earlier when when you ask about you know what are the selling points for wisconsin quality of life uh, that's maybe less so now in places like the silicon valley um the cost of doing business same thing i mean some of the companies that are rooted there have been looking elsewhere because simply that they think about their employees having to drive forever to get to work and this is you know pre-covid and everything but still it's it's out there they look at uh, the housing costs they look at just everything about what it takes to live there and it's not it's not as attractive so that's part of what's going on with um with those uh, especially in california now outside of the weather obviously the weather is very attractive sure sure <laughs> that's i mean that's that's going to work for you know just about any part of California, one way or the other. Um, You're correct. Arizona, Colorado, um, Utah, Idaho. Those are the kinds of places that are kind of first to get, uh, see see some of the good effects of that exodus because they're closer to California, number one, but also it's kind of a Rocky mountain region that maybe there's some, some more affinity or familiarity, but places um, like, uh, you know, the mayor of Miami Florida has made a big point of, hey, come here, and um, I don't know how much success they they've had truly, but it is an overt welcome sign that, that they posted there, and so um, other places like Austin, Texas, but I think we can see we can see uh, some benefits in Wisconsin. At least we say this ourselves, and this is a little more anecdotal than anything. Uh, from investors who are from the coast who would like to see more deals, uh, from Wisconsin. Good. The reason, the reason for that is valuation, you know, uh, great tech, great people, hard work ethic, but also the valuation of the companies are not somehow uh, frothy or super inflated.
0: You no, know, overinflated by any means. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit before we get into the word game, because I don't, I want to uh, be respectful of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, For our young professionals that might be listening, that might have the entrepreneurial bug, what advice would you give them, uh, I guess, possibly in general, but then also how to leverage WTC resources? Yeah. Well, I think in general,
1: um, you know, there are a couple of different ways to become an entrepreneur. I mean, some people, I, I honestly think some people are born that way. Uh, you know, it's just that bug they have. I think uh, some can be experience that in other ways, whether through school or being a part of something that they they really enjoy. Um, but by and large, sometimes it can be going into a large company setting and discovering you don't really like it. You know, I've seen that before, where people have been in maybe some larger companies that they didn't feel like it just really. It just wasn't right for them. it didn't happen to what they what they do what they want to do um, i've also seen the opposite i've seen people get into entre- entrepreneurial settings and come out of that and say geez this is just this is too much of a roller coaster ride for me i gotta i gotta get off and you know find some kind of stability in this at least this part of my life so i guess advice is is um and this applies to us but i mean there are many other great groups too that it could apply to is, you know, get involved, get involved. Um, sometimes I see entrepreneurs who are kind of head down, head in the screen all the time. Right. And just, they, they're working themselves so much they don't get connected to the larger network and entrepreneurs can wind up feeling kind of lonely if they don't connect with others kind of like themselves. So that's one of the big things about our, our events. Um, people get to, talk to other entrepreneurs and investors and people in the ecosystem and and come away kind of being rejuvenated. Um, you know that they hey, I'm not the only one out there struggling with this issue or that issue. Um, and so I think
0: that networking piece is is pretty big. Um, yeah, so don't have blinders on. Don't just get so like you said, just buried in your screen. Yes, you know, get out there and meet and like I, I will just say from a personal standpoint, I'm not the man I am today without my national study group. They all happen to be similar to what I do or, you know, similar position and within Northwestern and now outside Northwestern, whatever it might be. But those men have poured into my life and, and they all happen to be men. And, uh, you know, just on, on a personal level, on a business level, on, you know, all every different level Mm -hmm. that has made me a better person, a better leader, a better father, all those different things. So as you say, like network, form these relationships, always be a student, just got to get outside your screen sometimes. Yeah, it's it's really true. And, you know, entrepreneurs
1: who, um, who are hesitant to do so, I think only wind up costing themselves. They think they're, well, I need to do this time on the business and just, you know, straight in the ledger book, straight in whatever. But yeah, it's, you know, business is still about relationships at the end of the day.
0: And so you you know, forming those is really important. It is. It is. All right. Any other words of advice for our entrepreneurs?
1: No, I think just be curious, be inquisitive, uh, and be a joiner, you know, like we just discussed, you know, get out there and, and mix it up. And it can be, you know, any number of organizations that that would welcome welcome you and, you know, look around and try to find your right fit.
0: All right, you ready for the word game? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for our audience that hasn't heard it before, I will say one word, and Tom, in this instance, is going to give his gut reaction first word or maybe a short phrase. The only rule is he cannot repeat himself. All right, first word, Tom, change. Inevitable. Laws. society's order Hmm. government it can be a friend that's probably good for a lot of people including myself to hear right now thinking (laughs) that it might not be but anyhow all right business lifeblood grit Tenacity. Money. Not everything, but it's a lot. Wisconsin. Great state. College. Not for everyone, including myself. Inspire. Motivate. Impact. Get stuff done. Good job. Those were those were good answers. We haven't had those before. Oh, okay. That's good. No, that's why I love getting everyone's different perspective on those. And we don't always say the same words. It's kind of tailored to each guest, but uh, those were insightful.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So favorite book of all time or a book that you most recently read that you'd like to give a shout out to?
1: Well, I'm really still so eclectic on that. I mean, one thing I can say is like – as much as anything, some favorite authors, I'm kind of a history geek. And so, uh, I love reading about, you know, in particular American history. So, uh, James McPherson, uh, has written a lot about different American presidents. Uh, Stephen Ambrose, by the way, a whitewater uh, guy, I don't know if you knew that, but I didn't know that. Yeah. He, uh, he wrote like the band of brothers and, uh, the kind of the ultimate D-Day book and, and, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: surprised they weren't touting him more when I was there. Yeah, um maybe he didn't donate enough. I don't know. <laughs> and that might be it. <laughs> he doesn't have his name on a building yet. Yeah. Well, and he's and, and he passed on uh, a little bit early, you know,
1: in, in his life I think, but uh, a lot of great looks at uh, well, the Lewis and Clark expedition, uh, undaunted courage. That was that was really one of my favorite books because it went into this incredible detail about the Lewis and Clark expedition to the pacific northwest in 1803 to 1805 uh, but that was stephen ambrose
0: that's cool uh, if yeah. I learned, that's definitely something i learned today and so how can the audience follow wtc uh get in touch with you if need be or how what's the best way for anyone in the audience that's listening to uh, do that sure Um, Well, there's always email
1: and I'm a t still at Wisconsin technology com. kind of longish, but we had to do that for a variety of reasons because there are other similar things. So there's that Um, we're on social media uh, in Twitter, uh, Facebook on, on and on LinkedIn. Uh, So that's good. Um, And then just, I think you know, our website is really a good source. It has a lot about our policy accomplishments over time. It has all of our events. So that's just com. So those are three good paths. And, you know, somebody looks me up and wants to talk or something, I'm up for it.
0: Awesome. Well, appreciate all your knowledge and time today, Tom, pouring into our audience. I know that uh, we got a lot about Wisconsin. We got a lot about entrepreneurship. And, uh, and we got a little bit about what... Uh, I think the UW needs to do. But besides that, it was a yeah, great conversation right, right. Uh, and appreciate your time. And for the audience, hopefully you got some notes taken down and remember to go out and inspire an impact on your daily basis. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inspire People, Impact Lives. If you've been inspired today, please share this episode with as many people as possible so that together, our impact is exponential.